Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Buffuto. And every week we are bringing you entrepreneur real stories from leaders, disruptors, change makers, and risk takers. We may not be serious, but we seriously mean business. Okay, Caviar Dreamers, I'm so excited. We have Rebecca Rose Woodland here, famous attorney. We went to FIT there, but then, of course, she's the genius and then goes on to law school and becomes the most successful attorney. She has won unbelievable cases from sexual harassment to I mean, to everything, right? I mean, I read your bio, but I, I can't even talk about you enough because I'm so impressed because we know each other since we're like literally 18 years old. There's nothing and, to say. And I'm so excited that you're here today because today I know we're going to talk about like bullying and things like that because you've been talking about cases, but you even spoke about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. Yeah. People are calling you always to do commentary to get your perspective. You've spoken about the Alec Baldwin case. You've spoken about so many different things. So I'm just so excited that you're here today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here (laughs) with this fantastic duo. Look at this, the blonde duo that looks amazing. Thank you so much for coming in. in. I'm always so intimidated by law in general. I grew up in a country where you know, suing people is not such a standard practice. The court system is a little different. I'm moving here. Anything legal makes me shit in my pants. So and I've been I, sued a lot, so I don't like it either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I that I feel that it's intimidating for many people. That's why when I appear on television, I'm often asked, as Margaret said, to comment. You want to know why? Because I speak in plain language. The law, everyone can understand it if we just use plain language. The only difference with me is I went to school to learn it. It's not I'm not better. I'm not I'm not more knowledgeable in terms of like an educational like intellectualism. I just like learned the rote of how to do it. I say often if I don't speak to the people, then I'm speaking above them. And there's no reason for that. There is no reason for that. But the law can be intimidating because many people do try to use it as an intimidation tactic. So um, often if I select a jury, I sit and I talk to everyone the same way I would talk to you guys. And you bring a jury into a case. And that's really how you can be very effective with presenting your case when a juror and all the whole jury feels like they're part of it and you're not talking down to them. So really, as a litigator, my job is to convey everything in really plain language. So but I get 
that it's a little intimidating. I like that. I just want to ask you something about selecting a jury because mm-hmm. I always feel like, oh my God, do you feel like everyone gets a jury of their peers? Okay, so that, that's the <laughs> that's big question, question that's right? Big yes. question. Well, that's, you know, there's a lot, a lot of litigation about just about that. So even when you're selecting a jury, there are so many challenges you can make to have jurors step out of the room, have them not be included. The judge can also make some. What you're doing, though, is selecting the best jury or are you being in some way racist or, you know, in some other way discriminatory? So there's a balance there. That being said, your attorney is really there to protect you to get the best jury that you can find. And if you feel like your case has been so publicized that that place, right, the location of the trial is not going to be beneficial for you, you make a request to the judge to have that location of the trial moved. It's not always granted. And this is like constitutional issues that go up to the Supreme Court very often because many times in history, we've seen juries that are not of the peers, especially in criminal cases, where mm-hmm. I think a lot of criminals feel like they were wrongfully accused or got, you know, un- unfair verdicts due to the fact that the jurors really didn't understand them or maybe didn't even understand their plight. I Okay. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. So let's talk about you, you know, you do a lot of commentary. Mm-hmm. You know, people love you. You are so relatable and things like that. Before we get into some of your cases, some of our sure. things, I'd like to ask like the, the questions because I argue with people because, you know, people are always like, Marge, you were guilty because you settled. Do you advise your clients to settle? It's cheaper, My right? job is to advise my clients to have the best outcome for them. And if my client is spending a fortune on me or whatever and the settlement works, of course we settle. We don't have to, I don't have to prove with my ego to go to court, nor do my clients. It's a business decision. So Margaret, if you settled, that doesn't mean you were responsible or you know, exactly. civilly responsible. Of course not. It means we made a business decision to not pursue this any longer. That's it. Exactly. That's what I tell people. It's no shame in settling. It's a simple business decision. I got to get it out because it's it's also emotionally draining. It's exhausting. It's time consuming and it's extremely expensive to continue to pursue a case if and if there's no downside. Right. If there's Mm -hmm. no downside, you pursue it. If there's downside, why would you? That's how I keep clients for 20 years, because I don't waste their money on pursuing cases where we can close it out, move on. I mean, I represent some, you know, multinational corporations. They're not wasting time on little bits and pieces. Sometimes they settle. Unfortunately, people rig the system. They gerrymander the system to try to get cases settled that have no value. But many people and corporations will settle even if they don't have value rather than waste the time to prove themselves right I know yeah I have a question about what it was like entering like the law profession sure. like a boys club because I yeah. think it, you know Kim Kardashian now has obviously set the bar and she's going to help people that have been wrongly accused and I think sometimes people look at her and they're like oh that's real cute Kim Kardashian's a lawyer now have you experienced discrimination when you've walked into place? Because you're absolutely gorgeous. You're gorgeous. You are beautiful. Very beautiful. You have very amazing attractive. style. Oh. Well, so I'll tell you a story. I was litigating a case and the judge that was assigned to the case had to step away. He had a family emergency. And somehow they brought in a judge from 
the far corners of upstate New York. I walked into the courtroom, prepared, properly dressed, and the judge asked me if I could bring my boss. No. And I said, I'm so sorry, Your Honor. I'm a partner at the law firm and I'll be handling this case. And he started laughing and thought it was hysterical (gasps) that I was there to litigate for a very important, let's say a very important person. And I said, Your Honor, I'm so sorry. Maybe we haven't met. And I introduced myself and he sat there quite dumbfounded. And I said, maybe I should give you a minute. Wow. <laughs> and, then, and what did he say? Did he pull it together after that? I mean, he pulled it together. He never apologized, but I, he was probably very embarrassed because I didn't take the approach of screaming or yelling. I just said, maybe, maybe you need to, you know, we need a minute. Oh, I nice love that. That was good. You nice said to it meet the right you, way. Judge. How do you, <laughs> how did you learn to stay calm in, in litigating? Because I'm sure sometimes it's very frustrating. I, I wouldn't say I stay calm. What I'm able to do is somehow compartmentalize while my adversary is presenting and then create my um, whatever response I have with passion. I try to funnel it, but I don't stay particularly calm all the time, I have to be honest. And that's part of, I think, my effective approach. I'm not that even keeled. So in the courtroom, I will get passionate, but I tend to I can funnel it and focus it when I'm there. How do I do it? It's just kind of a learned, kind of a learned behavioral pattern because the judges won't allow you to have outbursts and you don't want to certainly embarrass yourself or your client. So you learn to just kind of keep it together, keep your notes in your mind and then react with passion rather than kind of react off the cuff. It's like almost like an organized passion. I think I have to practice organized passion. I think I have to also. I do wait. I I have a very hot head. Yeah. I well, a, I but to... there's no problem being hot headed. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great it's it's a great quality to have passion to live life. You have yes. to live if you're yes. living life, you you're experiencing, you're emoting, right? You just sometimes, unfortunately, have to try to keep that together and keep your points in your head and you wait and you wait and then you respond. And sometimes also when you wait a few minutes, because you have to, your reaction comes out seemingly much more um, together and refined. I, I like that. <laughs> I like it just that seems that way <laughs> because you've held, you've held it in and you're like, OK, I've got to keep this together. <laughs> now, tell me, because, you you know, you've done some big sexual harassment cases. Yes. Now, what classifies as sexual harassment nowadays because i mean years ago i feel like we were you know stories about me that you know people would you've watched on the sure. show and that was you know when people are in a position of power yes and you know even if women acquiesce because they are intimidated and things like that that's harassment i mean that's harassment there are various levels of harassment so there'll be various levels of pursuit of a criminal case or a, or a civil case but harassment basically is based on gender, based on, um, let's say, physical qualities, you're going to be pursued in a negative way. You're either trolled, this is online or even, you know, in person, you're followed. These are all things that are considered harassment. It goes further, obviously, if you're working for someone and you don't get promotions or you're told to have sex to get a promotion, you're told to do certain things. It doesn't have to only be sexual because there are other aspects of harassment. Um, the 
the issues I've recently litigated a case with an OBGYN that was harassing yes. his clients. Was that in Columbia? Yes. Was that the one, the big yes. case of Columbia? Yes, Dr. Haddon. I can say only so much, but there are public facts that have been released. He was brought to justice recently by the federal authorities. Thankfully, he harassed, I'm going, I have to, I can only be non-specific. He harassed over a hundred women <gasps> um, over a period of, Many, many years. Many years. I've, yes, and I've read that. There were allegations that it was known. So I can, I can, I'm restricted in what I of can course. say, but the federal authorities did bring him to justice. He's in his 60s now, but he was actively harassing patients for many years. And these were sexual acts. Yes. Yes. I know they were, they yeah. were sexual acts. And I mean, and that's so upsetting because that's someone who's in a position of power, trust your OBGYN, you're in a vulnerable position with your legs. I mean, that's like creepy. It's and scary. Uh, it's so disgusting. I, as I said, I can't go into detail, but it's so disgusting what he did to some of these women in their minds, because yeah. these are women going there. You know, you're in a very vulnerable position in that, you know, you're at a doctor to begin with, which is uncomfortable for many people, mm -hmm. any doctor, right? And no and one then, loves going to the gynecologist. Right. No. And then we have the added aspect of, oh, you have to be practically naked and the doctor has to, you know, perform for medical purposes, things that are uncomfortable. So then he takes that to another level and a place that some of these women, I'm not sure if they'll ever really come back from that trauma. I don't know how you could, because in that situation, you then get like a level of guilt. Did I bring this upon myself? Was this something I did to make this person think this was okay? Well, no one's going to believe me anyway because it's a well-esteemed person. You know, it's a doctor. Right. Like, I don't know how you ever reconcile all of that in your head. It makes me so sick. It was the same with all the gymnasts. Yes. In the it was, Olympics. It's yes. a very similar It case. makes yes. me so sick that these women will forever be haunted by these situations. And many times the women are young when they start with an OBGYN. It tends to be that you continue with your same OBGYN. They are young women who wouldn't know the difference. So some of the things he was doing, some of his acts, some of these younger women had never been to an OBGYN. Yeah, so they thought uh, some of the, the behavior was normal. Or, and... Or, <gasps> boy, it feels strange to me, but I'm mortified. I'm, I'm not, I'm not telling what am anyone. I going to, what am I going to do almost? It's a, it's a really unfortunate situation because it then, you know, it carries into your family life, you know, your sex life, having children. There's a lot to an OBGYN, you know, and a lot to the actions that he took with these women that were improper and inappropriate. And criminal. Now I can say that they were criminal. Yes. Yeah. Such a violation. Yeah. I know it is a violation. No. And I love that you stand up for cases like this. Yeah. Tell me also with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Sure. You said Johnny Depp, I, I was reading, was such an amazing witness. I did think he was. You know, I don't know what happened there, but we know what they say happened there. Right. I'm, I'm only coming in as a legal analyst to analyze legally how the case played out and Johnny Depp seemed very believable. He seemed very honest. Is he a great actor? Okay, he's an actor. But when you're on the stand, it's awfully hard, I think, to consistently act for that many days. I don't think what he said was outrageous. I think 
He admitted to a lot of things about himself that were embarrassing. And I think that the jury believed him. I mean, we, mm-hmm. and then obviously we did see the result was the jury did believe him. Yes. But I was as I was doing real time commentary on that. And that was my feeling. I could have been wrong. No, right? you, you obviously mm-hmm. were right. But many people thought I was wrong and people were very aggressive against me about why I was coming out saying that. I said, look, I'm making legal commentary about what I'm seeing. I'm not saying he's factually accurate or not. I'm saying I think the jury's going to see that. And they did. They they believed him. Listen, you obviously you you could see what's going on in the courtroom. You obviously were correct with with all of that. Look, I you know, I'm not speaking against Amber Heard. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Claims. No, of course not. Those claims are valid. They are valid. You know, for any other person, those are valid claims. I'm just saying in that scenario, her claims did not play out for a jury. They didn't believe her. I'm not saying she's lying or telling the truth. No, of course not. Right. No, no, no. But yeah. I just I just see you that know? you you saw that very early on. I did. You were one of the people who were like, mm-hmm. this is not going to play out the way people think it is. Right. And that's what's very impressive yes. that you go in there and you're on TV all the time and people are asking you to analyze these yeah. cases. What is one of your favorite cases that you have tried because you've had so many <laughs> that I've tried or that maybe that, there that are cases done. that that I don't choose to try. Yeah, well, tell me what have you too. turned down? Ooh. OK, let's, well, that, so let's, that let's I can't say. So a lot okay, of fine. so a lot of things I handle right are confidential. Mm-hmm. Yes. So even some of my clients are confidential. Yes, of course. But there's mm-hmm. but um, ones that are out in the public that people know you're working. Yes. On. I mean, I will. I have to say that this case that we just talked about. That's a big was, deal. That is was one a very of my big biggest, uh, I feel, accomplishments because it was an extremely tough case. Again, without being able to say much, it was a very tough case. No, it was very public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, very and, public. And it's been going on a long time. Much longer, I think, than people realized. There was a lot of inactivity that I think I had to push forward and push through. I think it's also, it's very hard for people to imagine that someone could be this disgusting. Yeah, like such yeah. a monster. Right, as a doctor. So I really, I have to say, I mean, that case for me is just I feel so happy that at least the women were able to get some justice. I wasn't the one who pursued the you know, I'm not a prosecutor, but at least I was there aggressively getting this man to justice. That's I could just say that that I can say again, I did not prosecute the case, but I'm very so pleased that the federal authorities came in. Because this is many women over a long period of yes, time. So, that's, mm-hmm. so that's I'm like proud of that as a female. Yeah, of you know, yes, there are so that many is. Like things, you feel like, yeah, you've done something so great. Try to help people. I do. I handle other civil rights cases. Um, I handled a very important case, I felt, for someone who was tra- transgender and who yes, was discriminated that's against. That's very yeah. important. That, um, especially, we're very big advocates for that. I mean, you know, I again, I can't be specific, but really a horrible situation that this person was experiencing at his workplace. Mm-hmm. He designates as his, but I'm just going to say it is someone who is transgender. Mm-hmm. Yes. Being able to have the time, actually, and the the effort and then to have someone trust you with a case like that, you know, is really something that is very satisfying for me. No, of course, yeah. because you're advocating for people who are marginalized. 
Yeah. I mean, these women are marginalized, someone who's exactly. transgender. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I love that you do that. And then recently we were talking about people, who, you know, someone being bullied. Yeah. You know, the bullying to me has to stop. And I'm involved in a couple of charitable organizations that are trying to get involved with online bullying of teens and with restricting kind of the way Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are engaging younger people because the cyberbullying problem is a very, very serious problem in this country. I agree. It's terrifying. Well, And I had this conversation with someone the other day that, you know, it's very scary because when you were bullied at school, usually someone else saw there was usually it was physical and it was in person. So someone could overhear it. There was ways to like blow the whistle. But now you can't escape this when you get home. Yeah, it goes exactly. home That's with you. It it's torture. This is 24 the point. hours a yeah, day. You have no like. And also, if you were left out of something, you had no idea. You know, so-and-so had a party. You'd go in on a Monday. Oh, so-and-so didn't invite me to the party. You're not suffering all weekend watching it in real time on social media. It's it's gone too far. It really has. And and young people are committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. Well, people and, are also much braver behind a keyboard. There's things that you wouldn't say to someone in person that when you have that level of separation that you're typing it to someone who's not physically in your presence... The cruelty is just mm -hmm. unreal. And the, you know, the promotion of like self-harm and it terrifies me. It really does. I call it a culture of cruelty. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who says no, that. But it's, but it's, a, it's a, an understanding that there are people out there that are looking to hurt others. And the imagining of a young child or a teenager having been bullied, they say like 90% of people under 18 have been cyber bullied as if it's oh really 90 percent like, that's a very we high have percentage. to understand that if this is happening this is something that's affecting psyches of many young students students say that they can't um get away from it because they have to be online for school right so a lot yeah. of schools now require you to be online and I guess, you know, once you're online here, well, you know, maybe thing, you go onto your Instagram, which a lot of younger children shouldn't be on by age, right? They have term age term limits, but doesn't matter. They go on. And the amount of aggressive content, this is not, oh, you didn't look good yesterday. We didn't like your outfit. This is die. Why don't you go kill yourself? I mean, who, what, what? people think like this, yet alone speak it. But you're right, because they're behind a keyboard. I know. Growing up, I don't remember anybody acting like that to us. Do you? No. No, I don't remember anybody really ever don't. behaving this way. I had like a really shitty bully that squashed a tomato on my face Ooh. on the school bus. Oh, that's And it's possibly one of the worst days of my entire life. And I could cry thinking about it right now because it was embarrassing, awful, horrendous, disgusting. Wow. I fucking hate this girl. She had terrible things happen to her later in life. And I'm quite happy about that because she was a horrible person. It wasn't just me. She bullied. But I left it on the school bus and I wiped my face and I went home and I probably cried and I felt shitty about it. And it impacted me like in other ways. But then it was done. Like she left school. She was a year older than me. Fuck her. Like stupid right. bitch. Gone. But to take that home and also 
teenage girls, teenage boys, you put so much pressure on yourself. Like you're almost a bully to yourself at that age. You don't support yourself. You don't advocate for yourself. You're not kind to yourself. You judge yourself so harshly. To have that coming from all angles is just so upsetting to me. And I could see the escalation of it, even with like my stepdaughter who's 10. It's terrifying. It is. It's very scary. Is she experiencing some of this? She has. She has. Yeah. Oh and my you know, goodness. like, so she's 10 years she's old. She's not on, she doesn't have a phone anymore. There's other crazy things that happened. Like you, the school bus, I think, mm-hmm. which is where I experienced bullying. She's experienced bullying and also being, you know, opened up to things that are too old for her to hear about based upon what right. other kids are seeing online also and bring into the school bus. So it's really hard. Like, how do we protect our kids now with this like, yes. social there, situation? Kind of and when can parents like bring something to an attorney and say, okay, this kid, my kid is experiencing this. Like, how do parents handle it? Do they go to the school? If the school doesn't do something, can they get an attorney? So yes, yes, and yes. Okay. I would advocate you be extremely assertive. The problem is children don't always tell the parents everything and then they're embarrassed if the parents get involved. Mm -hmm. That being said, let's put that aside because children aren't adults. They do need someone to help them, right? They can't advocate for themselves. They're not emotionally there yet. They're not ready intellectually. They don't even know all the options. And, you know, it's hard being in a situation where most of their day is in school, right, with these other people. Again, that being said, Yes, you go immediately to the school. Most school districts that are federally funded are obligated to report any bullying because they get federal funds to the federal government, to the education department. Okay, fine. They can report whatever they want. You have to be aggressive with the schools to take action. The schools can take action. They can suspend a student. They can also pursue other means. That's what they call it. Other means, whatever that may be, maybe put the student in anger management and anti-bullying, whatever. Additionally, if the bullying becomes aggressive, that you feel that it's stepping over line, call an attorney and an attorney will either advise you to go to the police, could also advise you or could themselves write to the parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many ways to do this. And I think to be assertive is a better choice. I don't blame anybody's parents, but there are children who have committed suicide because of terrible bullying. It is obviously not the parents of the child who committed suicide's fault. They might not have known. Mm -hmm. They might not have known anything. It's very hard to imagine what's in a child's mind. But, you know, these bullies push students too far. And too far for a student isn't getting upset anymore. It's suicide. And that is really really something we want to prevent at any stage. I agree. I met a woman at a party and she worked in Baltimore and she was an advocate for children because the number one cause of child's death in Baltimore was suicide. Yeah, it's not guns. And even though guns are, you know, are very crazy, it's not the number one death of children right now is in Maryland. I think it was Maryland and Pennsylvania. There were a couple of states that she worked with and she actively volunteered in schools to help kids and to do this. But also I think because, you know, obviously we have a wide scope, not just parents that listen to this. There's a misconception that bullying stops once you leave school. Bullying can happen in the workplace also. How do people handle this, like going to HR and things like that as bullying like creeps on as people go from school through college into the workplace when they're young adults? So if you feel you're being harassed or bullied at work, your first step is to go to HR. Your boss make a record of it, depending on what 
the situation is. Of course, there are different actions that the company you work for can take. It's very important to immediately report any problems because once those get recorded, then action can be taken against the bully, whatever you want to call them. They're bullies, these people. They're Mm -hmm. terrible, horrible people. Harasser, bully, whatever you want to call it. And then actions can be taken. If you feel that your employer isn't taking the right actions, then contact an attorney and an attorney can then guide you or again, take on the case, depending. Of course, every fact, every factual scenario is different, but immediately go to your boss, immediately go and HR and or HR. Usually it's two separate areas. Yes. So you go to the boss and HR because, you know, sometimes a boss won't really be that responsive if it's someone that's there that they're superior to, right? So if it's Mm -hmm. one of their subordinates, the boss might take more of a backseat approach, whereas HR may not. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, hard to do, but you have to do it because if you feel like your work or your career is being really imposed upon, you have to make change and you have to make that change happen. And it's not, it's not right. We were talking on the previous podcast about advocating for yourself. And I think that's the hardest thing that people just are not good at. All right. Let's let's change channel. Let's change channel for one second. Okay. What about like what? You know, this country is very Sue happy. OK. Right. Don't you think um, people accuse us of that, of the United States being very Sue happy? The, Do you think we are? It's hard for me to say because. There's a slippery slope when you say that. Oh, they're so happy. But the reality is if you need your time in court in this country, you get it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Everyone has access. So democracy. Okay. So maybe that's the downside. So there's a lot of lawsuits. But the upside is everyone can sue. We're not restricting people here. And that is a really big, big plus to our democracy. Mm -hmm. You know, anyone can go even pro se and file a case. No, it's true. You can't. In other countries, individuals don't have voices the way they do here. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a perfect system. No, no, But no. I think there is an upside. Okay, so to that's that. good. That's a good yeah. that's a good comeback. Because people is. always say it's like everybody's very litigious. Okay, great. We're litigious. But the reality is if you need a lawsuit or you need your time to see a judge, we grant that to you as an American citizen as a, and also okay, that's as a good, someone that's a good in America. That's you don't, a very, you don't that's only a have answer. to be a citizen here. That's good because I only have my green card. So good right. to know. You don't have to be a citizen. <laughs> but if you're in America and you have an issue, you can find a judge to hear your issue. It might you not, might not be victorious, but you know what? There are many cases of people who probably would be sidelined in their country Right. And no, you're absolutely right. That so you're absolutely here. Right. They have a voice. Everyone has a voice in America. OK, arguably. I like that. I like that oh, answer. Good democracy. answer. Democracy. This, this is totally superficial question. But how do you feel about shows like Judge Judy and these like courtroom oh, shows? Them. Oh, I love them. You want to know why? I was going to tell you why I love these shows. It shows people that there is a judicial system they have access to. There are many people when you speak to them that don't realize even who people who are born here, people who grew up here, people who are educated here, don't realize they have a right to go into court and get seek justice or get reparate, whatever it is. Judge Judy and these other courtroom shows show people that. I had to 
doesn't bother me. I like it. I like I think that. It's entertaining. Of course. It is very but, entertaining. You know, very entertaining. Oh, some of it is, you know, Judge Judy, what she's working on are real cases. These are real cases. They may be ab- abstracted from the county that they were brought in, but she's working within the law of the state of the case that she's, you know, overseeing at that in that show. Those are cases. Yes. I mean, Those are, they're not made up. They're not yeah. scripted. That's real. So good. Let people see it. You know, I think that's yeah. that's a good idea. So, OK, let's talk about stuff like prenups. OK. Do you love mm-hmm. a prenup? Do you think I everyone don't... should have a prenup? So I'm not in that field. That being said, so that's my disclaimer. right? Yes. I'm not in that but, field. But, you, you know, you're, you're still an attorney. Right. But I'm an attorney. Yes, but you're so, an attorney. <laughs> so, I can, so I can comment. I can comment. I do think that prenups are very beneficial. I unfortunately think that they get involved. A relationship can then become or seem to be more contractual when a prenup is brought up. But if you could get past that issue, then obviously you guys are working together towards a common goal. I've seen many cases Again, I don't handle prenups, but of course, I know a lot of people. People come to me of people that wanted to get married. Prenup came up. Marriage was off. Mm. Mm. I, you know, I, I could I could see that happening. Right. So because I think married. a lot of people give you the prenup right before you're getting married, like the week of. I've seen oh, that. I've happen seen a that. Lot. I've Ooh. seen that happen. a lot. Yes, I've seen that happen. And I've not seen that to be ever worked out. I, I have seen marriages happen. But then they dissolve based on the fact that that prenup, it tends to be something that the resentment is formed. So I think if you want a prenup, that's fine to talk about it. But I think you need more than enough time to properly hash it through. But I have seen cases where people are so angry that a prenup was presented that it they never allowed the relationship to really move past that. Is there any way to skirt around a prenup? You've signed a prenup. But circumstances have well, changed. Well, we see this every day of the week, right? There are there are ways that different states have different rules, but there are ways that you can contest. It's called contesting a prenup. If you fall under certain categories or you didn't have an attorney review your prenup, if you're the party that feels that they were improperly, mm-hmm. the prenup is improper. There are other things that you can say you're under duress. It's a contract. So it's like other contractual outs. Some cases are very hard to prove, depending on who your lawyer was, who their lawyer was and what the prenup says. People have done it, Mm. but people sometimes use it even if they think strategically, even if they think that the prenup won't be discarded. They use it for leverage in negotiating more than what the prenup has. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, no, I don't. I, 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 I actually, I actually don't have a prenup. Though no, I've advised right. some of my castmates who got married recently to have a prenup because they have young children. They're marrying someone they just know for two years. You know, mm-hmm. we just said, you know, you have a lot to protect. You have right. daughters. You have this. You have that. We just said, get a prenup. Joe and I each have a decent amount of money on our own. It didn't matter if we commingle. You know, we we're both successful in our own right. We right. weren't in it for that. So I felt like we we didn't wind up getting a prenup. Well, you also have a, a son who's past the age of majority. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, at this point. Oh, right, right. At yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, look, it's up to everyone to decide, but there's nothing wrong with saying I have children, I'd like to protect them. So these are the assets I want to keep for them. Exactly. There's yes. nothing wrong with that. And anyone who would 
like oppose that. If you're asking for your children, hey, I really want to protect my children. Can we just sign some things? I would be very careful with a person that would be wouldn't want to sign. Yeah, uncomfortable. Exactly. I feel like yeah. there's certain things I have and th- certain things my husband has, and we have the will set up correctly. We have life insurance. You know, we're we're just making sure everyone's properly taken exactly. care of. Exactly. Yeah, I'm looking for a billionaire with one foot on a banana peel <laughs> next time. So I do not want a prenup. I would like to take it all. A solo billionaire with no kids at this point. Yeah, I'll take you, it all. When they're when they're a billionaire, though, it's okay if they have kids because there's usually enough. There's to go enough around. to go around. I, I, You're you right. Know. That's good. <laughs> what about okay. inter- none of that successful? I mean, you know, there, you know, there's so much there. There, you yeah. can't spend it all. No, it's you can't so spend it all. I mean, I could try. <laughs> I know. What about, you know, we want to ask some things about intellectual property mm. law being that, Ooh, okay. you know, public figures and everything else, you know, people have pictures on the internet and then, and then people are using them and things like that. Right. Lex, yeah. were we saying that things? That always interests me. Like, because okay. now obviously every image is out there. Yeah. How do people own their images? Like if you're a young girl and someone takes an image of you and uses it to promote a brand or something like that, that you, that you have no knowledge of. Okay. So couple of things. When you post yourself on, let's say, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the company owns that image. You are responsible for what you put online, you as the user. The company owns your image. You can remove that image, but it can be retained in their databases in perpetuity, which means forever, right? So you have to be very careful what you're putting on, children, adults, anyone. Can you copyright your images? Yes, you can put your image up, immediately list that it's copywritten and send it to the copyright office and request copyright protection on mm-hmm. that. So then you have, but then you have to pursue a copyright infringement claim if someone uses your image. That being the case though, you do have a legal remedy, but it has to be copywritten. Wow. So anybody else could just take your image? Well, when you mean take your image, like if it's on your Instagram. Yes. And they could take it and, and reuse reproduce it. it, repurpose it, repurpose it. They can, but you can sue them for it. You can say that you can't use my image to make it's my image. It's my you can't make um, money individual use. What I'm saying is that Facebook and Instagram, they can do it. Facebook, yes. Instagram and Twitter own it. Right. But other sites can't just be taking, you know, my no, because. Image. No, you just every time you post, you say this image is protected by copyright and that and then they can't. That's really the I best mean, choice to do that and send your images, even upload them once a week. Or if you want to upload them every day to the copyright office and request copyright on all of them. Yeah. What's so interesting is I bet a million people don't know. Millions of people don't know that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter own own your images. They once do. you Put them up even if they're deleted. So even if you delete them, they own them. So you yeah, have to so be very everyone careful. better be very careful what you yeah. put up there. It's pretty crazy. Images and the copy and the written word. So if you're bullying someone and you think, oh, I deleted it, it's okay. No, I don't think so. You could get anything. The police can get anything. The federal authorities can get anything. So well, in that good case, know. it's good. Yes. In that case, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if someone's doing that there's crazy a things. If someone's doing crazy things. Yeah, what about, I, you know, what about people taking, like, if you have a video up and they chop it up? They can't do that. No, of course not. First of all, they can't take anything out of context, but they can't do that. No, of course not. But that's mm-hmm. what people do. Mm-hmm. They, they'll take your words, repurpose them, and say you said something. No, you could sue someone for that. That's defamation. Okay. 
do a lot of defamation ca- cases wind up in success or is it something that people get afraid of? You know, like, are they like, well, I'm not going to win anyway. So what's the point of me trying to do this? Well, unfortunately, I think people have that approach with the legal system in general, but it's not the case. If you have a good, strong case, there's not a judge I don't know that will give the right decision. If you have a good, strong case for a defamation case, mm-hmm. I'm saying defamation is very particular So you do need a lawyer for that, I would suggest, but you could do it on your own pro se, but it's more, it's more, more esoteric than it seems. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Well, Rebecca Rose Woodland, before you go, we have three questions that we ask everybody. Amazing. um, Before they leave the caviar dreamers. What was your big girl panty moment in your career? Like you're like, oh my God, I got to pull my big girl pants. This is my like sink or swim moment. Oh, when a judge was going to hold me in contempt because he thought I had said something behind his back while we were on trial and the jury, he thought the jury had heard it. I didn't say it. And he asked me who did say it. And I wouldn't reveal who did, even though it was my adversary. And he was going to hold me in contempt. And I stuck to my guns and he didn't put me in jail. And um, finally, the other person admitted that they said something very aggressively negative towards the judge in front of a jury, which is totally inappropriate, by the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's so scary. That was very yeah. nice of you. Oh that I would have like probably like a bird. I, well, yeah. I waited, to go to jail. waited and waited. And I just kept saying, I think, you know, we're in a courtroom. We're in a and the jury was there. So at some point, the judge was just going to pull the jury and ask them who said it. So the person did reveal themselves to and be. Did they there. go to jail? They didn't go to jail, but they were they had there was an, a very big issue. That wow. resulted from that. That you yes. could even go to jail like that. You could be in a, a situation like that. Scary. Well, if you're held in contempt in a courtroom, a judge can hold you in jail pending a decision on what happened. Oh, that's Ooh. scary. Yeah, that's that is. Scary. That so is you very have scary. to you have to manage yourself properly. Wow. Yeah. We also ask, what do you credit your success to? So we always say the mod is 50% delusion to 50% determination. <laughs> well, I think Rebecca, I know what she's going to say. She's very determined. But go ahead. Oh, no, I. I have to, no, no, no. I agree with you. There's, you have to be delusional to believe you can get there. You have to have a fantasy of what you haven't seen before in life because my parents weren't attorneys to, to get there. If you just take everything factually, you can't pursue your, your dreams. You have to dream it and then experience it. I believe in manifestation. Yes, us us too. I absolutely I absolutely do. And we also yes. ask everyone, what is your most entrepreneur real, real advice? advice as opposed to like textbook advice? Like what's the most real advice you could give some, someone who wants to be an attorney? Well, who wants to be an attorney? Or yeah, or just Great. Oh, yes. or who wants it? Sure. Um, well, I, I do think that you have to take your studies very seriously while you're in law school. So prior to law school, you have to embark on this journey when you're a bit younger, right? If that wasn't your journey while you were in college and then you want to go to law school, you have to be pretty serious about the studies while you're there because it's overwhelming the amount of work you take in in three years. Why I'm saying that is because then you're responsible for people's lives or livelihoods, whatever. But if you put the time in on those studies, just like anything else, just not law, whatever it is, and you don't have to go to school for law you do, but for entrepreneurial other entrepreneurial aspects you don't. You have to put the time in. You have to really learn your craft, hone it, and put the time in to get there. 
you, you can't expect something to happen overnight and you have to be realistic about your goals and take the time. Put, put it in. Make the effort. Go 110% every day because it comes back to you. I believe that. I believe yeah. the more you put in, the more you get out. No, I agree. You could see that you love what you do. I do love you, what I you do. You could see what yeah, you, yeah, I do. You're, you're, an, you're an amazing. It's fun. No, you're an amazing attorney. <laughs> People, anybody who hires you is blessed to work with you. You're yes. such an advocate for them. So Thank tell you. everybody where they could find you. Oh, well, they could find me at lanuzywoodland.com. lanuzywoodland.com. Yes. Rebecca Rose Woodland. That's she, right. She is always featured giving her commentary, real live time. Everybody loves her opinion. I mean, seriously, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's on your side. I don't I'm, even coming know. <laughs> I'm coming back to this. I'm coming back to this podcast. No, and, right. and, can we and do we this once to, a week? No, oh. and and we and we went to FIT together. But I told you she was the genius that went on to law no, school. Margaret's the no, genius. No, no, no. I was. You don't I have was, to be a genius to go to law school. No, I know, but it's just so funny. We we started off when. So thank you yes. so much for coming. Thank, thank you for you. having thank me. Thank you for showing you. everyone no, that you. smart women can be beautiful and glamorous Yay. and get what they fucking want. That's exactly right. no compromise. That's right. Compromise and no excuses. You don't have to make excuses for yourself. Exactly. You if you want something in life, go get it. Yes. Thank That's you. Right, caviar dreamers. Yes. Ooh. Go for it. Manifest it. Thanks for listening. And if you love the podcast, don't forget to leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Follow me at The Real Margaret Josephs. And me at The Life of Mrs. B. And the podcast at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. Keep, Keep dreaming, dreaming, caviar dreamers. dreamers.